Welcome to All Along the Wasatch, a public affairs program produced by Bonneville Salt Lake City. If you would like to submit a request to be on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. Now, here's the host of All Along the Wasatch, Mike Parsons. My guests today are from Wonder Bloom Nature Play School, and the executive director, Sarah Stone, is here, also an educator, Jake McCabe, and the website, wonderbloom.org. Sarah and Jake, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're so excited. So first, uh, Sarah, you were kind of the uh, the person that started this. I looked yes. at your website today and saw that you started this not too long ago. It's a fairly mm-hmm. new nonprofit. So tell us about just the, the history of it. How What was the first idea and then the journey to get where you are today? Of course, yeah. About um, I started this nonprofit about six years ago. I was completing my uh, PhD education in child development and came across all these ideas of for schooling, nature schooling, outdoor kindergartens. I had never really heard of this before. Um, And it really resonated with me and my philosophy about um, how to educate children. And so I started looking around for the programs in our area that provided this kind of education. And there weren't any Mm. And um, reading the research, there really are so many benefits for um, getting children outside, uh, having them interact and learn in nature. And so I knew that um, with my background um, in early childhood education and and with my um, degree and experiences, that I could be the person that started this movement in Utah to really bring this type of philosophy and education to our community. And the philosophy is where? Is it Scandinavian countries that are doing this primarily? It is Scandinavian, yes. It started in around uh, the 60s, came over to the U.S. in the 90s, and um, slowly trickling um, around the United States. I have a three-year-old grandson, and he would never go inside if that was an option. He (laughs) would stay outside all the time. So I definitely get that, and I'm sure that there are kids that thrive in that that may not thrive in a classroom environment. Absolutely. We find that um, families and children that are attracted to our program know that uh, this is going to be a great place for their kids. Jake, so you are an educator there. What age do you teach? Yeah. So we have in my class, um, we just we at the beginning of the year, we had some two year olds. Um, but now all of our kids are three to five years old. So it's a pretty fun mixed age range. And it's good because the older kids are able to help the younger kids kind of along and the younger or the older kids get the opportunity to help teach the younger kids. So what's your background and, and how did you end up at Wonder Bloom? Yeah, so I have always kind of enjoyed working with kids. Um, ever since I was one of the older kids in my daycare that I was at, I kind of always took that role of like helping the younger ones. Um, and then I started coaching basketball and I did that for, gosh, I've been doing that for the last five years. Um, and essentially that's kind of why I'm out here. My roommate plays basketball at the University of Utah. Hmm. Um, and so I'm a basketball skill development coach up there. And so I do that with him and some of the other guys. And then I found Wonder Bloom th- through a like um, like a substitute program for daycares, uh, preschools, after-school programs. And I just fell in love with Wonder Bloom and their mission. And then I became part of the staff. It's really stereotypical, but there's not yeah. a lot of men that are teaching little, little kids. So totally. that's awesome. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mr. Jake's one of the favorites. Mr. Jake, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Sarah, um, what ages do you serve? Uh, how many kids are in the school? 
Yeah, right now we have about 56 children um, that attend our Wonder Bloom in Murray. And we serve three to five-year-olds, so that preschool age range. And like Jake said, we have mixed-age classes because the research does show that that's really the best way for children to learn is interacting with children of other ages. Oh, okay. I saw on your website that there's like butterflies and there's Mm – so those don't correspond to ages necessarily. Those are just different groups. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. So you recently moved from downtown to Murray just last year. Yes. Um, and you mentioned that it gives you more space. I would imagine mm-hmm. that it's, it's a better setting. It makes more sense than downtown when you're in outdoor yeah, school. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, nature is everywhere. Sure. So we loved our, our urban downtown location, too. But we had the opportunity to um, expand our, our space a little bit and build our dream outdoor classroom where we are now. It's also located on... The property is a four-acre community garden, mm. and so it provides a lot more of those nature experiences for the children. And I love this. I found on your website where it says that you strive to have equitable access for mm-hmm. all children, and that's not just equitable access uh, based on abilities. Mm-hmm. It's also economic and racial. Yes. So how do you achieve that? I, we're, we're not a real mm-hmm. diverse state. Right, exactly. So, so how do you achieve that diversity in, in those different areas? Well, we have it at the forefront of our mind. It's one of our values for our nonprofit that all the decisions we make, we want to take into account family and children, uh, the diversity of children and families. And so um, we try to hire diverse staff and um, we have a fluent Spanish speaker on our staff now. Um, We are developing and growing our scholarship program we um, accept children with disabilities and we work with the families and with the child's um, therapists and providers mm. in order to create a really inclusive um, and accessible environment for them. One question I saw on your frequently asked questions that yes. I wasn't planning to ask, but apparently it's a very popular question. Do the kids have to be potty trained? <laughs> I saw that several yeah, places. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> no, they don't. You know, it, it makes it easier on the teachers if they are. Um, but children develop that skill at, at all different ages. And it's not really something you can rush into if Mm -hmm. you want it to be done well. So we support that process at the school. And Jake, I'll ask you this one, since you're one of the educators there, what sorts of teachers does Wonder Bloom look for? And conversely, what sorts of teachers seek out working at a place like Wonder Bloom? Mm, That's a good question. Um, I think I was thinking about this on the way here. I think this skill that I find myself wishing I had more of was adaptability. Mm. That's one that I think, especially with being outside and like with our like play-based learning, oftentimes it's the kids leading what we're doing. Mm. And so having that adaptability almost like it coincides with patience when you can be more adaptable. You don't necessarily have to be as patient because you can kind of go with the floor flow more mm-hmm. often. Um, but I think people who love being outside, obviously, mm-hmm. we're outside all day today. Um, I think people who, yeah, are, like really care about like the environment and actually want to put effort into like mm-hmm. creating something that's worthwhile and not just like going there for a job and like just to work with kids or whatever. It's like really to help develop them and like do it in a way that's like ethical and holistic. You got to really embrace the whole philosophy to work there, I would imagine. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's not just any educator that can work at Wonder Bloom. And then, Sarah, uh, mm-hmm. the top five developmental benefits of outdoor play. That's a fancy way of just saying, what are <laughs> really kids going to get out of this? Oh, there's so, so many, and I don't have time to list them all. But um, some of the main ones is 
developing uh, large and and fine motor skills. Mm-hmm. So our children have the opportunity to climb and run and skip and jump and do that with uh, hills and logs and rocks. Um, the fine motor skills too, um, because we we might be looking for worms in the dirt mm-hmm. or uh, painting on the sidewalk. And so uh, they really can use their whole body. Mm. Um, there's a really um, well-known um, founder and educator of a nature school in Washington. Her name is Erin um, Kenny. And she said, if you take the walls away, children can't bounce off the walls. Mm. <laughs> and so it really provides uh, a great uh, full body experience for the children. Um, another one that we've noticed a lot of, especially um, in this post pandemic setting is um, there's a lot of social emotional skills to be learned when Mm. children are outside. Um, It is well known that, you know, being outside for adults and children alike, it's calming and it works the same way with children. And so it helps um, with anxiety and uh, other mental health issues. Um, Like I said, there's so many. Creativity is one where there's so many options for creativity. Like Jake was mentioning um, sometimes the outdoor uh, environment or what we call our outdoor classroom, it takes uh, the lesson in a totally different direction. One day I walked outside and Jake's class was watching a caterpillar climb up a tree. Mm, yeah. And that wasn't planned. You, you couldn't you couldn't have planned that into the day. And But he took the opportunity to make that a learning huh. uh, experience for the children. I think I would have thrived in a school like this. I, I remember in elementary right. school, I just... I couldn't pay attention. Mm-hmm. I just was that kid that just felt confined. Mm-hmm. I can imagine how great that would be. Um, what are some of the surprising skills that kids learn that maybe people don't think of right off the bat? Um, I I mean, it kind of coincides with the social, emotional, but I think empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, developing that, like, sense of taking care of the environment around you. Um, like, just today, we were, like, we found a home for a worm. That, like, we picked up a rock yeah. and noticed that this worm was down there. And we tried to find a new home for it that was dark and wet. And so we talked about kind of the environment that a worm would enjoy. And then we found a spot for it. And then throughout the day, I just had kids coming up to me and asking, can we go check on the worm? Can we go check <laughs> on the worm? <laughs> Did you name the worm? We didn't name the worm, no. But, um, yeah, and the same thing. Like we have flowers planted outside. And some of our kids who, like, maybe haven't had the experience of, like, taking care of something like that. Mm-hmm. It's really powerful to see that development of, like, them, like, we talk about these flowers are kind of like babies. Like, we have to take care of them and help them grow, and we can't hurt them. And then, like, that development over time to where they're wanting to, like, figure out how can we take care mm-hmm. of these, how can we help them. Um, that's I really, really enjoy seeing that. This is kind of a weird question, but these kids from 3 to 5 that go to Wonderbloom, mm-hmm they experience a certain way of learning. Yes. Then is it tough for them to make the jump into a classroom and all all of a sudden everything's structured and you have to sit in this desk? Right. That's a very common question, actually. And uh, what we've noticed with our own children at Wonderbloom is that because we're laying the foundation of the skills that they need as far as listening, taking care of themselves and others following directions – that actually translates really well once they get into more a more traditional schooling environment. Um, 
they're able to understand when it's time to listen, what that means to clean up after mm. themselves. And we, we still teach all of those skills. Right, right. I mean, we like to say that we have, you know, they can be a wild child, which they definitely can, but we're still um, teaching them very important skills for life. I know my daughter went to kindergarten at a Montessori school. Mm-hmm. And then when we moved her to first grade at a public school, she came home so mad because she mm-hmm. said, my teacher told me I had to color the barn red. Oh, I didn't want the barn uh-huh. to be red. Yeah. So you, they have, you you encourage that kind of creativity and then sometimes Absolutely. You, you can kind of confine it when you get to the, yeah. the regular school. Yeah. Um, so on your website, there you have a wish list of things that you mm-hmm. need. What sort of in-kind donations are you looking for? Oh, you know, uh, children, they play hard. And so they're, we're always uh, wearing out the supplies and materials that we have. And so we, we throw up on there things um, like puzzles and blocks or maybe it's kitchen supplies because we provide wholesome snacks for them twice a day, uh, gardening tools, other uh, things that they can use in the indoor and outdoor classrooms. I think that's great, though, that you have a specific list that people can look Mm -hmm. at and say, okay. It makes it so easy because they just can click on it. It gets sent right to the school, but they still receive a tax-deductible donation Mm -hmm. receipt. And volunteer opportunities? I would imagine you uh, probably rely on volunteers pretty heavily. Yeah, we really do. We require parent volunteering, and um, we do that in order to create a real community of of people that care and are taking care of each other. Um, And besides the parent volunteers, which they do so much for us, um, we're always reaching out to other community members and organizations. We are partnering with um, the Benyon Service Center at the U of U campus this spring to help them. uh, They're going to help us do some work in our outdoor classroom, Mm. uh, shoveling and planting, things like that. And like Eagle projects or yes, community absolutely. projects, you, mm-hmm. you have that kind of stuff available. Yeah. Like I said, we're just building our outdoor classroom right now and I dream big. And so um, we, we, I just have the foundation now, but with um, donations and grants and this, this volunteer work, it's really going to develop into a really intentional learning space for the children. We're speaking with Wonder Bloom Nature Play School Executive Director Sarah Stone and Educator Jake McCabe, and the website is wonderbloom.org. And I want to circle back because you mentioned that you require the parents mm-hmm. to volunteer for a certain number of hours. We do. Do are there parents that uh, don't want to do that, or do they embrace that? We've had parents embrace it, and we give them lots of opportunities. So some parents can come to the school and volunteer during school hours in their child's class, but. That's not an option for all parents, so we can send home things for them to do. They can help us um, uh, on these weekend work parties that we do. So we really have a lot of opportunities, and they enjoy giving back to the school that and the teachers that are taking care of their children. <clears throat> I would imagine it gives them a level of investment, too, that they might not have if yeah, they're just dropping their kid off and absolutely. picking them up. Um, so tell us about your summer program that's coming up pretty quick, and how is it different than your school year program? Yeah, summer camps are just lots of fun. We have uh, weekly topics, and we dive into those, and we play, play, play. During the school year, we also do a lot of play, but we're more intentional about uh, making sure that we're educating the child for their individual needs, tracking their development, and then working with the families on how to support their child's development at home. I was looking at some of the stuff you're going to take on during the summer. Take flight, under the ground, terrific trees, Mm -hmm. and wacky water. Those all sound like so much fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Um, what are the prices like? What does it cost for the summer program? What does it cost mm-hmm. for the school year program? Yeah, the the prices uh, vary depending on um, the week or during the school year, depending on how many days or what times the children are coming. And so all of that information is on our okay. website. That's really the best place to find all how of that. How does it compare to a standard daycare? Yeah, we're, uh, we're pretty competitive. I would imagine it's more. It, but, we're pretty competitive. It is a little higher. We have really low adult to child ratios. Hmm. So that means we have we have one teacher for every five children where the state requires one teacher for every 18 hmm. children okay. at this age. So you're definitely um, getting your bang for your buck. You get what you pay us. for. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so you mentioned scholarships earlier, yes. and that's really mm-hmm. huge, and that's part of that inclusivity that Absolutely. some low-income kids can have this available to them as well. How does that work? Yeah, it's part of our application process. We ask the families to fill out a scholarship application. Some families think, oh, well, I wouldn't qualify because I'm sure I make enough money that I wouldn't qualify. But we take lots of things into consideration. Um, Families are so diverse and have such diverse needs that, like, for instance, one family – They wouldn't qualify necessarily by income, but they've had a lot of medical issues Mm. in their family. So they have giant medical bills. And, of course, that's eating up a lot of their monthly income. And so we want to take those families into consideration as well. And instead of it strictly being, you know, do you fall below the poverty level kinds of a – an application. And there is assistance available if if they do fall that, that low yes, on that absolutely. scale. absolutely. Yeah, that's one thing that we're really trying to grow. We're such a new program, but we just started being able to offer scholarships uh, last year, mm. and every year we want to increase the number of scholarships that we're giving out. Um, do you offer tours of the facility? It sounds like a really cool place. I would love yeah. to come see it. I mean, you, yeah. can, you can do that. Yep. Come on over. You can call us or uh, book it directly on the website. And it sounds like an amazing place. I'll bet you have a waiting list. <laughs> we do. We do for some classes. Um, our summer camps are about half full right now. Um, most parents start planning in, in April and May for summer camps, and so you kind of have to jump on that a little earlier. Um, for the school year, you know, we're not the only ones that open their enrollment in January for the coming school year. Hmm. And so we um, – we're almost full. We're about 75% full for the coming school year already. Jake, what would you tell parents that are trying to figure out where their three- or five-year-old's going to be while they're working? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you're, you're partial to Wonderbloom. Totally. But, but tell us a little bit why it's so different than your standard daycare. Yeah, I think um, having the one-to-five student-teacher ratio, uh, yeah. I think that there is a lot of benefit to that because um, there are situations where – like there's two teachers in the class and we might have like eight kids and I get the opportunity to have like more one-on-one time with your child than like say a normal preschool where you have like 25 kids in a class with one teacher and an assistant. Um, and that's like in my class, like there's kids that are there every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that development and like having that like really quality time where I get to meet them and I get to like interact with the parents and not just like drop your kid off and then you pick your kid up. And don't ever, like, interact with a teacher. Um, Like, I always say our parent community is amazing. Like, I'm so grateful for them. Um, And, yeah, if you put your kids in Wonderbloom, you're also joining that community. And, like, you get all those connections. Yeah, so much more than just a place for them to be while you're at work. Totally. So you're a pretty young Mm -hmm. um, nonprofit, just, Mm -hmm. what, four or five years now. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, 
What have you learned in that time? Um, everything. I mean, <laughs> you know, my career path was I was planning on being a college professor. I was already teaching adjunct. And um, so this took definitely a big turn for me. But I've always worked in the nonprofit sector. And I, I feel that my heart resides here. Um, and developing this nonprofit, I, I wanted it to be more than just um, – than just a really great preschool program. Mm -hmm. I built it with a larger vision in mind. And what that is is, um, so there's the bottom-up and the top-down approach. Mm. The bottom-up is the preschool. We're serving children. We're um, helping them develop such important skills in this age of life while their brains are so new and growing. And then the top-down approach is that we want to help change the way early childhood education is done in Utah. And so we're developing systems of advocacy work at um, the local and state levels. We're developing research partnerships so that we can enrich the research that's already out there about how this is such an important way to educate children. And we are developing teaching training programs because not every preschool can be an outdoor preschool. Right, let's be sure. honest. It's not going to work. It's not for it's not for every teacher. It's not for every kid. Um, but if we can help teachers um, have the tools to just do a little bit more than yeah. they're already doing, um, instead of outdoor time just being recess, maybe we can do a little learning outside. Yeah. And so that's really the holistic approach to what we're trying to do as a nonprofit. What do you know now that you were completely wrong about six years ago? <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I've been surprised with how um, in Utah, early childhood education is not valued very much. Mm. Um, we value education from kindergarten up and we provide resources, funding, support, but as far as early childhood education, which in those first five years, the brain grows 90% mm -hmm. of its adult growth. So, you know, I as a, a researcher and educator understand that. But as a larger society and a larger community of Utah, I don't think we quite realize that. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of education that needs to be done in Utah around the fact that these this age group is is such an important area to focus on. And not only that, but if we're going to support families, especially working families in Utah, then we need to really support the daycare preschool sector. And we have no shortage of three to five-year-olds in Utah. Absolutely. We're only still growing. Our economy's booming. Yeah. In fact, there was a recent report that came out with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce that showed that in Utah, because we don't have a very good child care infrastructure – our economy is losing $1.3 billion a year per year. So if you just don't care about kids, there's still a reason to care about mm -hmm. early childhood yeah, education. Absolutely. Yes. So you said you you dream big. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're five or six years into mm -hmm. this. Where do you see it going in the next five to 10 years? What, what pieces do you want to add? You said this is only one part of your vision. It is. Yeah. I mean, I I would love to have our student population have 25% of our population be from disadvantaged households. That requires a lot of money, scholarship money, because otherwise those families wouldn't have the access. And um, I'm really working on removing other barriers for access to, such as um, language barriers, transportation barriers, um, 
even just understanding that we exist, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which thank you for having us on the program. Um, So really bolstering access for children to Wonder Bloom. We would love to open more than one location. Mm -hmm. Um, We also want to be, like I mentioned about our, our nonprofit mission, is that we want to create more teacher training programs that don't provide a burden for teachers because programs don't have a lot of money to spend. And so we want a lot of free resources for other educators. Um, Bolstering the research around this area um, with partnerships with universities. And uh, we have such great research uh, community with the U of U and SLIC and BYU and Mm -hmm. Weber State and all of those. And, and you had mentioned before yeah. we went on the air that you, you have dreams beyond just even the preschool. Yes, absolutely. Because we and just this year we started working with some advocacy groups at the state legislature. We had our parents write letters to help fund child care in Utah. Um, we showed up for a child care day on the Hill to speak to our um, local legislators. And so we're really trying to make a larger mark mm-hmm. than um, – than our little 56-person program. My wife teaches elementary school, and she Mm -hmm. almost every day comes home with a great story about something a kid said or did that was hilarious. (laughs) And so, Jake, you're right there on the front lines. Yeah. Have you got a couple of stories for us about something that a kid said or did that just Hmm. cracked everybody up or took took you off off guard? There's – I mean, there's always – every single day there is. I have a really hard time remembering specific ones, but the one that I always come back to, it was during the summer – um, it was towards the end, and this was at our old location. We had we were eating snack, and I remember very vividly there was one kid who kept singing like the whole day "Poker Face" by Lady Gaga <laughs> the entire day. Like he just like you could see him just like bobbing his head and just like he was in the zone. And so at snack we decided, okay, maybe we, maybe we play it and just see what happens. And so I remember we played it. We started playing it, and we just watched him. And he at first like you could see like the gears were like turning in his head, and he was just kind of sitting there. And then all of a sudden, he just starts – he stands up and starts interpretive dancing. Nice. And just like comp- – like he was possessed by some other creature. <laughs> by of, Lady Gaga. By yes. Lady Gaga. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean there's – every single day there's weird stuff that they say. Yeah. And it's it's a big reason why I do the job. Um, just like the youthfulness and like the creativity and just authenticity that they have. Um, yeah, there's endless things. Never that, a dull moment. Never, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, never a dull moment for sure. Yeah. Anything else? We're at about 27, so we're good. Wow. We've covered a lot. I think we hit everything. We'll probably wrap <laughs> it up then. Yeah. Cool. Wonder Bloom Nature Preschool. And tell us where it is. I didn't ask you where it is. We are in, in Murray, but... Murray, Utah, 1580 Vine Street. Okay. That's a great neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Executive Director Sarah Stone and Educator Jake McCabe have told us a little bit about Wonder Bloom. You can find out everything else you need to know at wonderbloom.org. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening to All Along the Wasatch with Mike Parsons. If you would like to submit a request to be a guest on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. That's mparsons at ksl.com.